Bienvenidos, everyone. This is Ismael San Juan, but you guys can call me Ish. This is episode one of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. We have a lot to talk about today. NBA restart. Seven things I've learned since in the first week of the NBA restart. We're going to talk about the NFL starting up. Um, today's the last day that players could opt out. We're going to talk about FA Cup final. We're going to talk about Europa League. We're going to talk about Champions League. It's going to be a good episode. It's going to be a good way to start off this podcast. Very excited to uh, you know talk about sports with you guys. I love sports. Um, when we were in quarantine and there was no live sports, that was those were some dark days. But thankfully, um, live sports are back. Hopefully, pretty soon we'll be able to attend um, games in person. But in the meantime, you know, this is what we have. Um, this podcast is just going to be about sports, 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 and more sports. Primarily basketball, football, and soccer. But we'll get into other topics. Um, going forward, I'm gonna have some guests. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna invite some friends. We're gonna talk about sports. We're gonna slander some teams. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk everything. So you know, stay tuned. Hopefully, you guys enjoy this. And if you do, if you're listening this to this on the podcast, you know, just keep following the podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, just like, comment, and subscribe. So yeah, let's get let's get started. Seven things I learned in the first week of the NBA restart. Number one. Devin Booker is a superstar. He's not a star. He's a superstar. He's he's barely 23 years old. You know, this is uh, he got drafted number 13 on the 2015 um, NBA draft, which was a very very good pick by the Suns. Um, he's always been he's always been a scorer. He could always shoot the three since day one. He's been a sniper. Um, he's probably the best player from that draft class. Him and Towns. Are the two best players that came out of that draft class? Um, he's he's killing it right now, man. Uh, that game winner he had against the Clippers that was something, 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 something special, man. Like uh, he he has a lot of qualities that you're looking for in a in a shooting guard in today's NBA. He could sh- he could shoot from anywhere. He could he could attack the rim. He has pretty good height for his for his position. He's six five. He doesn't back down from anybody. He's just a star, man. He's right now he's averaging thirty points since the NBA restarted, um, which is uh, higher than his season average. Uh, the Suns are three and zero. They have beaten the Wizards, the Mavs, and the Clippers. And beating the Wizards is is not like a like a big thing. Like the Wizards are like the worst team that got invited to the NBA bubble, but beating the Mavs and beating the Clippers that's that's impressive. That's very, very impressive. Um, the Mavs, you know, they're one of the dark horses in the West. They have Luka, another great young player. They have Kristaps, Porzingis. And then just beating the Clippers, you know, one of the favorites in the West to come out. A lot of people's favorite to win the whole thing. Um, having to go up against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, which are two of the premier per- perimeter defenders in the NBA, to be able to be 3-0 and against that type of competition that, you know, says something about the Suns, but mostly just about Devin Booker. Like, the Suns don't really have another star. DeAndre Ayton, you know, he's pretty good, but he's still very, very young, younger than um, Devin Booker. And other than that, like, their team is is not that special. And to be 3-0, and that just means, you know, Devin Booker's putting that team on his back, like I said, averaging 30 points since the NBA restarted. Um, unfortunately for him, he does play for the Suns. 
they're three and zero, but since they were the worst team that got invited in the Western Conference to the bubble, they still have quite a ways to make it to the eighth or ninth seed, and to be able to be in the play-in for the playoffs. They are three and zero, uh, and they are playing pretty good. Devin Booker looks like you know he could put the team on his back, but I don't I don't have them making the playoffs. Like they're just still like I believe two games out from that ninth spot, so I don't see them making up that ground in these like five games they have left. With that being said. You know, just getting some wins together in a row right now, it's, it's great for the team. Um, you know, build confidence for next season. Hopefully they're able to build on this, and next season um, they could have, a, you know, playoff. They could uh, have higher aspirations. I, I still don't think the Suns, even next season, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Like, I know there's still the draft and free agency and stuff like that, but just, just the way the roster is built right now, like they have a lot of holes. Um um, unfortunately for Devin Booker, this is his first year of his five-year max contract he signed a couple years back. So after this season, he still has four more seasons before he could hit free agency. I have a feeling that he's gonna, he's not gonna finish that contract though. But the Suns, like, um, I just don't, I just don't see the Suns being able to build a competent team around him that um, he'll feel comfortable, you know, staying there and signing a long-term. Con- um, and just signing another long-term contract after this, I feel like um, he's going to request a trade within the next two years. Uh, players now in the NBA feel more and more um, compelled to ask for trades. They don't, they don't, you know, just stay in a weak team. Like they ask for trades. AD ask for it. Paul George, you know, player movement in the NBA. NBA players are empowered to do what they see is right for their career. And I think Devin Booker is going to um, be the next guy to ask for a trade and leave a team but with that being said he's a superstar he's killing it in the bubble and hopefully the Suns are able to keep him and hopefully everything goes good for them number the number two thing i learned in that first week of the nba bubble the raptors are a very dangerous team everyone's overlooking the raptors i don't know why they're the reigning champions quiet left but that team is deep that team has potential to repeat again they're probably the second best team in the east right now and I would not be surprised if they made it all the way to the NBA Finals. They have five players averaging 15 points or more. That includes Van Vliet, Lowry, Siakam, Ibaka, Powell. They're, two, they're, back, they're starting backcourt, Kyle Lowry and Van Vliet. They're both just six foot tall, but they could score from anywhere, especially Van Vliet, man. Van Vliet, man, he's he's been killing it. If it wasn't for, for Bomb Bomb Abedayo or... Uh, Ingram, he he would be there and on most improved for this year. He's been killing it. He he he's not that quick. He's not that tall, but he just knows how to get to the spots. He he man, he's been killing it too since the bubble in the NBA bubble since the NBA restarted. Um, under Nobi, he's been another player that just looked has looked really 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 good. Um, last year he missed the playoffs. I think he had to had some surgery in his appendix or something, so he wasn't able to play. Uh, he came back for the finals, but he didn't get no minutes, but this year he's finally back and healthy, and that's just another wing presence that the Raptors have. He could shoot from three. He's lately he's been doing a lot of uh, driving to the basket and you know finishing with the spin move. He's he's looked nice. He's looked nice. Nick Nurse, he's he's gonna win Coach of the Year, man. When you have a great coach and good players, man, like you could you could go far in the NBA. Like NBA is one of those is one of the most uh, I mean, basketball in general is one of the sports where good coaching could take you a long way. You could have a bad team, 
and a good coach, and he can make the pieces work. And Nick Nurse is just making it work with the Raptors. He's definitely coach of the year this year. And, you know, the Raptors have a better win percentage than last year, so uh, I expect them to go far in the Eastern playoffs. But I don't know they'll beat the Bucks. The Bucks, the Bucks are a good are match up well against them, but if anybody is able to take out the Bucks, the Raptors can match up well with anybody else. Number three, the Lakers. Lakers might be in trouble. I am a Laker fan, so hopefully, you know, I'm wrong. But the Lakers... The Lakers are basically just AD and LeBron, and that's it. We have no guards. Like uh, we signed Waiters and J.R. Smith, and they have both played atrocious. Man, Waiters, he's shooting forty percent from the field and seventeen from three. That's just terrible. He's a streaky player. He'll make like four buckets in a row, like he did against OKC, but he started zero for seven. So, I mean. He's just too streaky for my for my liking. I don't I don't really like the the way Waiters has been playing. Hopefully, you know, he hadn't played in a while, so hopefully he's able to pick it up and he could give us something. But as far as our guards, man, J.R. Smith is shooting twelve percent from the field. He has yet to make a three pointer with us, so it's looking bad. Danny Green, since the restart, has shot thirty two percent from the field, twenty percent from three pointer, and three pointer is supposed to be his bread and butter. KCP, 37 from the field, 23% from three. Caruso, everybody loves Caruso, but he's struggling too. 36 from the field, 11% from the from three-point line. Man, oh man, like we're getting nothing from our guards right now. It's just pathetic. It's it's not looking good. Um, we need, uh, as much as I used to slander Rondo, we need, I mean, if they're all shooting that bad from three-point percentage, like Rondo could at least be a good... Uh, distributor of the ball and we are really missing um Avery Bradley Avery Bradley can shoot the three and he's probably our best perimeter defender but yeah man the Lakers we have no guards is is it's gonna be a struggle to get through the playoffs with just relying so heavily on LeBron and AD they are two of the top five players of the NBA so I'm pretty sure they could in the playoffs, stars stars shine in the playoffs. Playoffs is all about who has the stars. I mean, rotations get cut and everything. Less players play. You really just depend on your stars. But still, to have that bad of a guard play from the Lakers is just, I don't know. It keeps it keeps me up at night. It's, it, it doesn't look good. Hopefully, they could get it fixed. I mean, we're going to need Kuzma to step it up in the playoffs too, like, our big three, AD, LeBron, and Kuzma, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to just you know go all out because we're not getting any valuable minutes from all the other players. It's, but I mean the Clippers, the Clippers, which are the other favorites in the West, they haven't looked that good either. So hopefully we're able to compete with them. But whoo, man, Lakers got it. They need they need better guard play. Yesterday when they played the Thunder. KCP went down for like a a second cuz uh he bumped into um he bumped bumped into uh Chris Paul. And I mean KCP is not like the greatest player, but just knowing that the Lakers are so thin at that guard position when he went down I was like, "No, not not another not another player that's out." Like that would be so bad. That would be so bad. Anyways, number 4, number 4. The fourth thing I've learned since the NBA restarted 
fit and opportunity matter a lot in the NBA or in any sports, but especially in the NBA. Um, case in point, TJ Warren and Carmelo Anthony. TJ Warren, you know, he's been a good, decent player throughout his career. He's he's basically uh, been a good scorer. Um, Carmelo Anthony, I mean, everybody knows what Carmelo Anthony has been with the Nuggets, with the Knicks. But then, you know, as, as his skills went down and he, he couldn't find a role with the Thunder and the Rockets, you know, everybody thought he was washed. Nobody wanted to give him a chance. NBA basically kind of blackballed him. Thankfully, the Blazers were able to give him a chance and uh, let him come back to the NBA. But yeah, opportunity matters. Um, wherever you land, um, which coach you land with, how many minutes you're given at the beginning, if someone gets injured, it all matters. So that's why they say when you get an opportunity, you got to make the most of it. For TJ Warren, he got traded for cash. Literally got traded for cash after being a 18-plus point scorer last season. I don't know what the Suns are thinking. That's part of their problem, why they've been so bad for so long. And now Oladipo, their main scorer for the Pacers, is recovering recovering from an injury. So he's not, you know, he's not the main ball handler right now. It's TJ Warren. And, you know, he's shining. He's he's shining right now. He's he's playing really, really, really good. Um, as far as the Suns, they got cash for him. I feel like TJ Warren is a comparable player to Tobias Harris. Right now, he's playing better than Tobias Harris, but even like back then when he got traded for cash, I feel like he's maybe rated less le- less than Tobias Harris. But, I mean, the Clippers got two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and Shamit for Tobias Harris, and the Suns got cash. It just speaks to the, di- to the difference different trajectories that both franchises are going um but just just cash that's i still can't wrap my head around that just suns being the suns um the pacers they have a nice little team they can make they can make some noise in the playoffs they have tj warren oladipo turner um brogdon sabonis when he comes back hopefully he's able to come back pretty soon that, that's a nice team. The East. The East is no joke no more. The G, the East has some quality teams now. LeBron left, and the East got stronger. I mean, he, he probably left at a good time because the East now has the Raptors, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Pacers. Those are all quality teams next year. The Nets. The Nets should be good with KD and Kyrie Irving. But, yeah. Number five. Number five thing that I learned since the NBA restart. Bama Badayo is a monster. I feel like Bama Badayo has the potential to be like a Draymond Green player, but like way better. Like an athletic, longer version of Draymond Green. And Draymond Green, for all the hate he gets, he's he's won Defensive Player of the Year. You know, he, he revolutionized the small ball lineup as being as a a short five that could facilitate and, you know, do everything, um, start the fast break. That's Bam Abidayo. He's he's a good defensive player. He could legitimately guard one through five in the NBA. Point guard to center. He could switch on anybody. He has quick feet. He could hop. He's he's a problem. And like I said, I didn't mention the Heat earlier, but the Heat, I don't think they could make the NBA Finals, but they, they'll they be a thorn on the road for anybody that plays them. Um, nobody wants to see the Heat. Like They'll be a problem. Just Spolstra. He's a great coach. Um, they had they they just beat the Celtics and they had no um, 
they had no Jimmy Butler, and that just shows like how good of a coach Spolster is. He just makes it work. I mean, when LeBron was there, they just said that LeBron made him, but I mean, he's been able to keep his job, and he's been making. He, he just makes it work. He's a great coach, top five coach in the league, maybe even higher. I think he's top five. Um, the Heat, the Heat have a you know they have a lot of players that can shoot the three. Tyler Hero, Robinson, um, stretch the floor pretty good. Drogic could shoot. The Heat, the Heat, the Heat are building something. If they're able to get like one more star, they have like the surrounding pieces to be able to go and compete in the next coming years. Plus, they have the coach, so that's pretty much what you need: a couple stars and a good coach. That's that's the recipe in the NBA. Uh, number six, number six thing that I learned since the NBA has restarted. The Western Conference playoffs is going to be a bloodbath. The West is so deep. Like, there's legitimately, there's there's the top two contenders, the Lakers and the Clippers, and then there's, like, four other, like, really good teams that could, that could definitely upset either the Clippers or the Lakers. And once the Clippers or the Lakers are out, like, it's anybody's ballgame. But right now, as this, as it stands right now, Thursday, August 6th, we have the Lakers versus, you know, I believe the Grizzlies and the Blazers, the winner of that plane. Uh, I don't think the Grizzlies are going to be there at the end. I feel like uh, they just lost um, Junior, was in Jackson Jr., um, their second best player. So I don't think they're going to hold on for that eight seed. I, I believe it's going to be the Blazers and the Pelicans in the plane. So it should be Lakers versus Blazers in the first round, which would be a great series. Clippers versus Mavericks right now, Nuggets versus Rockets, Jazz versus Thunder. All those series could potentially go six or seven games. The Blazers, if the Blazers make it against the Lakers, that's a bad matchup for the Lakers just because, like I said, we have no guards, like no quality guards right now. And the Blazers, that's their strength. They have um, McConnell and um, McCollum, and they have... uh, Damian Lillard, uh, you know, two of the, one of the best backcourts in the league going up against, you know, one of the best frontcourts in the league and LeBron and uh, AD. So that should be a great matchup. Clippers versus Mavericks, two of the best perimeter defenders against, you know, two of the best young duo in the in the league in Kristaps uh, Porzingis and Luka Doncic. Nuggets and Rockets, just two pretty even teams. Nuggets and Rockets, you know, completely different philosophies. Nuggets, young team, super deep. Rockets. Two stars, two bona fide stars that could go off for 40, 50 points each. Jazz and Thunder, they've had some playoffs um, matches already in the last few years. So that would be a good one. Um, I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers, they're the favorites, but by no means, I don't I don't feel like a, they're like the Warriors, where they'll just coast through the playoffs. Like, this is going to be one of the best playoffs in a long time, just for the fact that the NBA... Um, it's more balanced now. Teams are not that; they're not separated by that much. Like I really believe that this is going to be one of the best playoffs we've had in the last six, seven years. It's unfortunate that it's in the NBA bubble and we won't be able to be, you know, present for these games. But it's gonna it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Um, the number seven thing that I've learned since the NBA has restarted is that the Sixers the Sixers have to blow it up. The Sixers. There's no way the Sixers keep on going. 
the way they're going right now. Like, Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I think that's true. They've had Embiid and Simmons for, I think, four years now where they're all playing. And, I mean, they're not they're not progressing. They're not – they're like the sixth seed right now. So when they have the talent to be top of the top of the conference, they should be leading the way in the conference, but they have not. Um, I think Brett Brown should get fired. I feel like the only reason he still has his job is because um, he came from that Popovich coaching tree. He was assistant coach with Popovich for a good amount of time. So, you know, they have him highly rated just because he came out of Popovich coaching tree. I feel like uh, a lot of NBA teams, a lot of professional teams have this uh, problem where if a coach, if an assistant coach or any coach comes from a good, like elite Hall of Fame type of coach, they try to they try to make him more than he is. I know it happens a lot with Popovich. A lot of his uh, a lot of his uh, assistant coaches have gone on to get ho- head coaching jobs, and they just don't pan out because you know they're not Belichick. They were under him, but they're just not him. So I think that's that's one of the problems with uh, Brett Brown. Um, he he he's just not Popovich. No no matter how much you want him to be Popovich, he's just not Popovich, and you know. He's not. He's not. I don't feel like he's gonna take the the Sixers to the next level. They have all the talent in the world: Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Embiid, and you know they're just not getting better. Um, they let the they let the Pacers score forty six on them on the fourth quarter, and then they follow that up with the Spurs scoring forty three on them. Milton was able to save them and get a and get a W, but like just that just shows their defense is not good. Um, they're lacking motivation. Um, defense is all about effort for the most part. Like if if you could run around and just you know put in effort at above average defense is just running and not giving up, and that has a lot to do with coaching. So if, at, at Brett Brown, you gotta go. Simmons and Embiid. I mean, I feel like they're just they don't their game doesn't complement each other. Simmons Simmons can't shoot a three to to save a life. There was a lot of videos during during the NBA break, um, showing Simmons had worked on his three pointer. Everybody was getting hyped. Oh, Simmons is gonna start shooting the three. Simmons Simmons this Simmons that, and he's attempted one three pointer in three games. And it just I I feel like that falls on Brett Brown too. Um, he he's given him too much leeway. He's he's kind of like let him not shoot. Like if a better coach would kind of pressure him knowing today's NBA where the three-pointer is such a big, 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 big part of the game. Like, you got to have at least a threat of a three. Like, just, like, Simmons won't even shoot them. Like, what's going on? Like, come on, you got to at least attempt them. That's the difference between him and Giannis. Giannis is not a good three-pointer. He hasn't been for his whole career. I think he's had seasons where he's shot, like, 29. But, you know, you could tell that he's trying to get better. He at least attempts it. He's not scared to take the shot. Simmons is just super passive, super timid when it comes to the three, and I think that falls on Brett Brown and the, his coaching staff. Like they gotta, they gotta push him, they gotta like entice him to shoot, and they're just not doing that. So that was my last, my last takeaway from the first week of the NBA basketball was that Brett Brown has to go. Brett Brown, Sixers, if you're listening to this, fire Brett Brown. Oh, oh, oh. Wolves win 
Wolves get the victory. They get the 1-0 victory against Olympicos, and they move on to the next round of the Europa League tournament. This is the first time that Wolves play European soccer in many, many years. I think I'm. it's been longer than I'm, I've been alive, so shout-out to the Wolves for doing really, really good in this European tournament. Final eight, what an accomplishment. Um, finished seventh in the league for the second straight year, which is a... Uh, very, very big accomplishment after not being in the EPL for a good amount of time. First two years at their bag, two straight back-to-back seventh-place finishes. Um, I think if you would have asked any fans before the before the season started if they would take a seventh-place finish and to still be alive in Europa League and have be in the top eight, I think any fan would have been ecstatic for that. Over the course of the season, um, I think Wolves fans' expectations rose just because the team was doing so well. Before the before the EPL had to shut down because of coronavirus, um, Wolves were fifth place and they were looking great. And then from the restart, they started off pretty hot. I think they got two wins in a row. And then after that, the wheels came off. I think uh, the lack of squad depth kind of hurt kind of hurt us. Um, the over-reliance of Raul Jimenez. Raul Jimenez is a spectacular striker. He's developed really, really well. Um, I'm so happy for him. From you know, He played for Club America, my childhood club, on the team that got me into soccer. And then to see him go to Atletico Madrid and struggle there and then go to Benfica and have some a little bit of success, but not, not that much. And then to be able to go to Wolves and just have this two-year run that he's on right now, he's just killing it. Happy for all Jimenez. Um, I do wish the Wolves are able to retain him, but it's looking very unlikely if they're not going to be playing any type of European soccer next year, especially because rumors has it that Manchester United and Juventus are going to be calling Wolves to ask for Raul Jimenez. And if Wolves, as it currently stands, Wolves do not have European soccer next season. The only way they would have Champions League is if they win Europa League this year, and that would be very, very tough. They do have a chance just because it's one it's one leg of games. There's no two there's no two legs, there's no way home and away games, so it's easier for an upset. But if we're if we're if I'm being realistic, I don't I don't see them winning Europa League. The offense has not looked that great. Defense has looked a little shaky. But I'm being hopeful. Hopefully we could make a run uh, and have a nice Cinderella story. But like I said, we're playing Sevilla. They know what they're doing in Europa. This is their tournament. They they feel confident. Um, they have a good coach, Lopetegui. But yeah, in in, in their bracket, they have uh, they'll probably line up and play against Man United. Man United should be the favorite from the whole tournament. They have the strongest team. They have the deepest roster. They have the most capital. They're the biggest brand. They have the most pressure to win this. Um, they honestly shouldn't be in Europa. They sh- they're a team that should always be in Champions League. They have higher aspirations than most of the teams left. But they're here, and they should be the favorites. On the other side, um, Inter Milan. Um, you could kind of say the same thing about them, but recently they haven't been that good. So they don't have as high expectations, and their name's not as big as Man United. But I do see them um, getting out of their their side of the table or the bracket. I'm hoping Wolves are able to upset Sevilla, so then we would have a EPL semifinal in uh, Wolves versus Man United. Um, it's going to be real tough, though. Sevilla, 
Sevilla is one of those Spanish teams that's really, really good. And they always do good in Europa. And then in Champions League, they're not they're not that elite to really compete against the big boys of the world. But as far as Europa League goes, they're that's like right in their cup of tea. Their their squad strength is like good enough to consistently win Europa. So that's gonna be a tough matchup. And I think it'll be a good barometer because I always say EPL. EPL is the funnest league in the world to watch. It's the most competitive. But as far as uh, quality or strength of teams, I feel like they're the second strongest league. I do feel La Liga is the strongest team, strongest league in the world just because Real Madrid and Barcelona consistently win Champions League or are always in the finals, final four for the most part. And EPL teams could go, you know, they could have a little hiatus where none of their EPL teams make a top four. And then in Europa League, Atletico Madrid and Sevilla represent La Liga pretty well. They're always there. And some other teams usually make deep runs too. But European European tournaments is where you could really uh, see the strength of different leagues competing against each other. And I just feel like La Liga does better in these European tournaments, which backs up my argument that they're the, they're the I wouldn't say better, but more talented or stronger league. Well, you could say better. They're they're the better league, but not entertainment wise. EPL, like I said, is is the most balanced, I believe. But La Liga is the strongest league. Um, so yeah, if Sevilla going up against Wolves, if they beat Wolves, they'll play Man United. So it'll be a good uh, it'll be good a uh, good EPL versus La Liga, couple games. Speaking of uh, EPL versus La Liga, Champions League is back. Real Madrid play their second leg against Man City. And right now they're currently trailing 2-1. And they have to go to Manchester with no Sergio Ramos. So it's going to be a pretty daunting task to ask Los Blancos to go in there. Man City finished the season pretty good. They have a strong team. They're they're stronger at home. Um, they have a very, very good coach. Um, I feel like he's kind of overrated. Guardiola is. Um, he has he's done a lot of good things with a lot of good a lot of good teams, but with Barcelona he had he had maybe like one of the best teams ever, probably the best team ever in the way it was constructed. They have all time greats in Xavi and Iniesta paired with Messi, like and having Puyol and Piquet in the back. Like the the team was built to win. The team could have done almost as good without him. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to take nothing away from Pep. He did a great job with Barca. That three, four years that they went on was one of the greatest three, four years that we've ever seen in soccer. But then he took over a, a treble-winning team in Bayern, and he was never able to win Champions League with them. And then he took over. He's taken over Man City, and he's they they basically given him a free check, like just go get whatever player you want. And he has a really, really deep roster, and I think he's been there for three years now, and he's not been able to get them over the hump. I don't know. It'll be a great matchup, Sidan against Guardiola. Sidan has never actually lost a knockout stage round with Real Madrid. He's never been eliminated from the Champions League since he took over. So hopefully he's able to keep that streak going. Like I said, I'm a Real Madrid fan, so I'm hoping they pull this 2-0 victory. I have them winning 2-0 at Man City. Juve plays Leon. They're down 
and they their soccer hasn't looked that good in the um when Serie A restarted but this is what they brought Ronaldo for Champions League I think they won Serie A for the eighth or ninth straight time in a row Serie A, Serie A is not that big of an accomplishment for them anymore I mean it's an accomplishment but they need to they need to go make a deep run and champions and they need to win it like they've they've made deep runs before they've gone to finals they've lost finals they've lost semifinals they need they need to go and win this thing so i think ronaldo has to show out and show um the world why juve brought him why he left real madrid and went to juve and if they were to lose to leon uh, a team in the french league which leon is good but they play in the french league the french league is not that good if we're being honest so juve i have juve beating leon 2-0 to move on to the next round. Maybe 2-1 or 3-1. Barcelona against Napoli. Like I said, Barcelona did not finish the La Liga season that well. They struggled when the La Liga restarted. Barcelona is, is pretty quick to let go of coaches if they don't do well. So if if we have if we if it's fresh in our minds that they did not finish La Liga well, they had point advantage on Real Madrid and blew that. And if they lose to Napoli in the round of 16 in the Champions League, it, it could be time for a new coach. Chelsea, um, <coughs> um, Chelsea's down 3-0 against Bayern, and they're done. They have they have no hope. I'm sorry for all my Chelsea fans out there. Um, it's going to be a quick trip back to London. They have no hope. Um, they're going to be without Pulisic, probably their most dangerous player going forward. Unfortunately, he got hurt in the FA Cup final. Unfortunately for Chelsea, they lost the FA Cup final. And they're going to probably get beaten down by Bayern again. And maybe like 2-1, 5-1 aggregate will probably be the final score. So it's going to be it's going to be a unfortunate way to finish the season. But overall, I think Chelsea had a pretty good season. Um, Lampard looks like he's steering the ship in the right way. They were able to get a Champions League spot. Um, Pulisic looks good. Mount looks good. They're signing uh, two more young players. They already have a pretty solid core. And Lampard, a team legend, is leading them, leading the way. So going forward, Chelsea looks like they're going to have a pretty bright future. But just this season, just take it for what it is. Top four finish. Um, a lot of young players got to have good playing time. They look promising. Unfortunately, because you guys couldn't win the FA Cup, and uh, this is the end of the road against Bayern, and it's going to be a pretty ugly defeat in aggregate. They're already down 3-0. I, I see them losing maybe 2-1, 3-1 this time around. So the aggregate score will look pretty bad. But overall, um, solid season for Chelsea. If you're a Chelsea fan, there's a lot to look forward to. Just, you know, shake off the the latter part of the season. Talford finish, is a, it's a good season. So with these these results was set up uh, Real Madrid versus Juve sem- uh, quarterfinals Barcelona versus Bayern Atletico versus Red Bulls and Atalanta versus PSG really really good games really great quality teams all around but if, if I had to say one thing it would, it would be to PSG if you guys want to win the Champions League this is the year this is the year to do it if you look the way the brackets are set up PSG is on the easier side on that side it's Red Bulls Atletico, PSG, Atalanta. No disrespect to those teams, but if you look at the other side, the teams I predict to make it to the next round, 
Real Madrid, Juve, Barcelona, and Bayern. Like these four teams have a lot more pedigree. They have a lot more history. Um, you know, they're they're always expected to be in the final, semifinal, latter stages of the tournament. The other teams on on PSG side, not so much. So if PSG PSG needs to make all these investments that they've made, all this money that they spent in these last five six years, um, pay off. Just winning League One is not enough. They need to get some European silverware. This is probably the best the best time to do it. But with that being said, Atalanta has been a really good team, so I kind of have them upsetting PSG in the next round and moving through. There's always one team that comes every season, that comes out out of nowhere every season and kind of has a really good a really good um a really good year. And Atalanta is that team this year. <coughs> Let me just give Atalanta a, a, a shout out because I remember um, Miguel Ayun, this Mexican player, when he came back from uh, playing in Italy. And he was playing for Club America. I remember the media was like, was kind of making fun of him because people were like, "Oh, he's coming from Europe. He's coming from Europe. He he should be a good player." And then I remember the the announcers would be like, "Oh, he played for Atalanta though. Like, did he really? He barely even played, and he was playing for Atalanta. Did he really even play in Europe? Like, so they were kind of like um, mocking mocking him just because he didn't really get that much minutes." And just for the team that he was playing with, which was Atalanta, and and it was kind of fair at the at the time. Atalanta was not a very good team, so it was kind of funny. But to see them go from there all the way to being in the Champions League quarterfinals, and like a, I think I believe that was in 2013. So in a seven year span, they really uh improve improve their team, and they look to be here for a while. So shout out to Atalanta, you know. Showing the rest of Italy how to move up the table and be a strong competitive team. So yeah, I'm just glad soccer is back, you guys. Um, when whenever when the EPL season ended and La Liga season ended, we had like a one or two week hiatus where there was no like soccer. I mean, there was MLS, but that's not that's not quality soccer. So to have to have Champions League and Europa League back, that's that's something that I'm very very happy about. And it, I know a lot of people. Um, when there was no NBA or baseball, um, and there was only soccer, and I think on Fox they were showing uh, Bundesliga, so I've seen a lot of people Americans actually tune into Bundesliga and, and they rated it pretty good, just because that was the only sports that was available. If you're still one of those people that are looking for um, sports to watch or just pass the time, I would suggest you uh, check out Champions League. It's some of the best soccer in the world, and I think you're bound that you're bound to have a a good time watching it. And uh I think all the games are able are through CBS All Access, so that's one way to get it. You could just stream it on your phone. So yeah, this is my little plug for CBS All Access, giving you guys a shout out. <coughs> yeah, that's that's my uh Champions League and Europa League topic. I also wanted to talk about um that I want to give the NBA a shout out for how good they've handled the bubble. Um, I know it came out that over for the 300 plus people that are players that have uh, been tested for coronavirus in the, in the latest test, all of them came back negative. So it just goes to show what what a good bubble does, what self isolating does. Being in the bubble it must be great for those NBA players. They know they're they're pretty safe from the virus. I know they're away from their fan their their fans and their family, but 
Adam Silver has done a great job setting up um, this NBA restart, setting up this bubble in Orlando. So shout out to him. <coughs> but with that being said, I, I, the MLB is kind of taking the opposite route. Um, they still have every every team playing in their in their home stadium. They've had two outbreaks since the, since the MLB restarted. And I personally don't believe that they're going to finish the season. Like To have two outbreaks in the first um, couple weeks of your season doesn't doesn't look good. Um, I know six teams that have already been sidelined and they've, they've had to have games rescheduled. And it's the Cardinals, the Bruins, the Brewers, the Marlins, the Phillies, the Nationals, and the Jays. And the biggest outbreak being in the Marlins where 18, 20 of their players and staff tested positive. So it just doesn't look good for the MLB. I don't think it's a good it's a good idea to have teams traveling that much in times like this in a pandemic and going into hot spa, hot spots like Florida and stuff like that. It just doesn't seem like it's going to work out. And if this keeps up, I I I think they just uh put stricter rules in place for for the players and I think uh if they're found to be like doing activities that the MLB doesn't agree with, they could be like suspended now, or they could get fined. I, just the fact that they're not in a bubble, and you know it's a numbers game. If so many players, uh, the there's, there's, I don't I don't see them I don't see them finishing the season. Is I know they shortened the season to I believe sixty two games, but uh, if they get to game forty or fifty, I'll be very surprised. I I don't see the MLB season ending. And you know, the same the same could be said for the NFL. Right now everything seems to be set up that the NFL would kind of be like the MLB where teams will be traveling from city to city, stadium to stadium to go play their away away games. And uh that's a bad setup. Like I want the NFL to finish. It's a way shorter season, it's only sixteen games, but but they have a way bigger roster. The NFL carries fifty five players in each roster, so just having to keep an eye on all those players for going from city to city is just going to be very, very tough. Um, I know today, July, um, not July, July 24th, they agreed, the NFL agreed with the uh, Players Association to have a an agreement where players could opt out for the 2020 season. And since then, the deadline to opt out has gone and passed. It's today. Um, August the 6th, Thursday, August the 6th was the last day that they could opt out and 67 players have opted out, eight players being from the Patriots. 67 is a pretty good amount. I think, uh, not that many stars, um, opted out, but there was enough like quality players that opted out where it could impact a lot of teams. I think the, the Chiefs lost two, two offensive linemen, one of them being, um, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. I think he's a starting right guard. He's the only player in the in the NFL to actually have a, an MD. He's a doctor. He got his degree from Canada, so it's it's kind of it's it's a little funny that he's the first, the only doctor in the NFL was the first one to opt out of the season because of coronavirus. So I mean, maybe he knows something. He's he's probably the most educated in that topic. So to see him being the first one to opt out is just like, all right, there's probably going to be a lot more players that opt out, and 66 followed through. The Patriots lost eight players, um, most notably Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung, the safety. Um, 
Dante Hightower is a really good linebacker. Chung is a pretty decent above average safety. But Belichick is a defensive coach and he's a defensive genius. So I don't think they'll they'll lose too much with them. Um, the Patriots already don't have that high of expectation. They did get Cam Newton, but um, going into the season, once they lost Brady, not a lot of people ha- had them um, being one of the favorites. In the AFC East, maybe a lot of people had the Bills um, winning the East, and no one had really the Patriots making it out of the AFC. But with eight players opting out, it just kind of hurts their chances even more. But I do believe in Cam Newton, and I want to see him succeed, so hopefully they're able to power through and have a good season. Even though I don't, I'm not really a Patriot. I'm not a fan of anybody. I'm from San Diego, and it really hurt me when the Chargers left. So I've been a free agent ever since they left. So if any of the teams have a good team that I could join, so I'm not a free agent no more, um, hit me up. Um, I'm a, when I'm a fan of you, I'm, I'm a pretty diehard fan. I watch all the games, and I know all the players. So shout out for any teams looking for fans. I'm available. But yeah, um, one of the one of the, another key player that opted out was Damian Williams, running back for the Chiefs. I mean, he's a pretty good runner of the ball. He can catch the ball. He's pretty dynamic. He, I think he was going to be the starting running back for the Chiefs or be in the competition with the rookie. But now since he opted out, Clyde Edwards, first running back taken off the the board in the in the latest draft, the 2020 draft. So now Clyde Edwards being a rookie, being the starting running back, playing next to Patrick Mahomes, that's going to be really good for him. Um if you guys play fantasy, Clyde Edwards, that's one of the running backs to take. He's going to have a great season. Um, that offense is going to have – he's going to score points for fun and to be the starting running back in that team. Um, great things for Clyde Edwards. Um, unfortunately for the Packers, Devin Funches was one of those players that uh, opted out for the 2021 NFL season, 2020-2021 season. And I know Rodgers can't be happy. Um this this last draft was supposed to be one of the, the deepest wide receiver drafts ever. Um, I think there was like over eight, I think, eight wide receivers drafted in the first round and maybe like 16 plus overall in the draft. And the Packers didn't draft anybody. And everybody knew that the Rodgers wanted another weapon, that they were kind of thin at wide receiver after Devontae Adams. And instead, they just signed the, the um, Funches off free agency, and they didn't address it in the draft. And now Funches uh, opts out of the 2020-2021 season. So I know I know Rodgers is very, very upset. Um, it's just another, another thing he has to overcome. I feel like the Packers lucked out in getting Favre and then Rodgers, and they've kind of not uh, appreciated Appreciated how lucky they have to to be one of those franchises that has two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back. I think over the years they should have definitely put a stronger team with Rodgers. Now, now Rodgers is on the is on the downside. He's in the latter stages of his career. He's not the same Rodgers that he 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 was. So he needs a little more help and just to see the Packers go draft another running back, another quarterback instead of helping Rodgers in his last few years. It's kind of upsetting, but. I mean, it is what it is. They still have a really good team. Their main problem last year was just defending the run. It wasn't really, like, scoring points. I mean, I mean, their offense didn't look that great, but if they could have stopped the run, they could have had a chance. And so hopefully they, they're able to fix that and have a good year. I do believe for this upcoming season for the NFL, the rosters with the deepest 
the deepest rosters will have the better chance of winning. Not necessarily the best rosters, because I feel like it's inevitable that a couple teams have coronavirus outbreaks, and then once that happens, they're gonna have to quarantine for maybe like a week or two. And the NFL season being so short, if you lose any of your players for like a week or two and they miss a game or two, that could be the difference between maybe getting a wild card or missing out on the playoffs entirely or, you know, being the last team in the NFL in the NFL season. So if you have a deep roster with a lot of quality players, maybe not high end, but if you have a deep roster where like if your starter um gets gets a if your starter gets a gets sick and has to quarantine for a little bit, the backup is not that much worse than him. Those those teams will do really really well. A team a team that uh I kind of consider in that category would be the 49ers. They have a really deep roster. They're they're kind of talented all over all over every single position. They have one or two players that could play at a quality level. Um I don't rate their quarterback that high, Garoppolo. I think Garoppolo is overrated. Even even if most people have him rated pretty low or not that high, I think he's still overrated. I think most people have Garoppolo as like a 10 to 12 quarterback in the league. I have him lower. I feel like um, Cousins is better than him for sure. Uh, I would even feel if, if, if you traded Garoppolo for Dalton, I wouldn't feel that bad. I do think Garoppolo is a little better than Dalton, but he's not that much better to be getting paid. What He got like a $140 million contract like three years ago. Um, yeah, I I don't like Garoppolo. I think he cost him the Super Bowl. There's a lot of uh, 49er fans that think on Shanahan cost him the Super Bowl, or they put all the blame on Shanahan. I think that's that's dumb. Shanahan is one of the smartest coaches in the league. He's an offensive genius. He's the main reason the 49ers um, are good again, and to slander him just because you know he blew that lead against the Patriots as the offensive coordinator, and now he blew a smaller lead versus the Chiefs. I feel like he knew that the Chiefs are a team that's capable to come back. They shown it all throughout the playoffs. They beat, they came back against the Titans, and they came back against the Texans. So I mean, if you're Shanahan, you gotta you know keep your foot on the pedal and not let them come back. And Garoppolo just couldn't make the throws. He's just that simple. He had a really bad, he had a really bad uh, interception at the end of the first half that cost his team some points, and then. Once, once the Niners were down, Shanahan drew up the perfect play. Emmanuel Sanders running down the middle. He has a step or two on his defender. Garoppolo, this is your chance to be the hero. This is your chance to, you know, cement your name in the in the books. All you got to do is hit a 40-yard bomb to Emmanuel Sanders, and you're good. Game over, or most likely you never know with uh, Patrick Mahomes, but it would have been a great moment. And he overshoots Emmanuel Sanders by like 5, 10 yards. Doesn't even give him a chance. Emmanuel Sanders is just can't even believe it. Obviously, Emmanuel Sanders said all the right things post game and even now in the offseason that he's not with them. But like Garoppolo is he's not a good quarterback. But like I said, if the Niners are a team that could that could definitely get through uh, a couple players having to be sidelined, they're that deep of a roster. Uh, the Seahawks, on the other hand, they're one of those teams that I look at, and I'm like, if if they lose any of their players to coronavirus or because they have to quarantine, they it could be a bad season for the Seahawks. The Seahawks, um, 
Russell Wilson masked a lot of the problems that the Seahawks have. They're uh, they're a really good team with Wilson. Wilson, but just because Wilson's there, Wilson is Wilson is maybe the best quarterback in the league. I know Patrick Mahomes has all the media attention right now, but he has a lot of weapons and he has Andy Reid, and that combination elevates him. Russell Wilson has Pete Carroll, who's not an offensive-minded coach, and he has no weapons other than Metcalf. And Metcalf is just good for a go route. He's he's kind of stiff on the hips. He he doesn't know the whole route tree, and he has um, their tight end is kind of good. I forgot his name. Can't remember off the top of my head. Their running backs are decent, not spectacular. The O line is still trash. So if if the Seahawks were to lose any other players, um, it would be ugly for the Seahawks. If if they were to lose Wilson for a couple games, uh, that would be the worst. Like the Niners, if they lost Garoppolo and they had. Um, one of their backups come in and and be the quarterback for a couple games. I don't think they'll lose much of a beat. They could win those games depending on the opponent. If the Seahawks lost Wilson and had to have uh, Geno Smith, I believe is their backup. It, oh, it would be it would be ugly. The, the Seahawks would have a top five pick next season, and they just traded the next few picks for uh, the safety from the Adams from the Jets. So. That trade, I think it was a good trade just because they don't have that much top-end talent in Seattle, and they need to give Wilson some help. And if everything plans out, those two picks will be later in the draft, so it won't hurt them that much. But if they were to lose Wilson, oh, man, that team that team suddenly becomes one of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, that's all I wanted to talk about in this first episode of the podcast. If you stayed this long and listened to me talk about the NBA, Europa League, and Champions League, uh, my thoughts on the NBA bubble and how I don't think the MLB season is going to finish. Thank you so much for listening to this first episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Um, hopefully you tune into the next few episodes and uh, you follow me on this little journey that I have started today. And hopefully, you know, I get better at this this podcasting stuff. Thank you so much. This is Ish and this was Hard to Handle Sports. Thank you.